This episode of The How of Business is brought to you by Stroke of Genius. The Stroke of Genius podcast is back for season three. Each episode tells a different story from the world of intellectual property with cool interviews with green entrepreneurs, innovative scientists, and other creative minds. Find The Stroke of Genius show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Megan Williamson. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Henry. So we're going to chat about Pinterest. What, what is it? I mean, obviously, everybody knows what it is, but from a business perspective, what is it? And how can we use Pinterest to help us grow our audience and our visibility online? How, how do we use Pinterest effectively? Uh, and is it even the right platform for your small business? Because that's, I think, a lot of the confusion that people have. So Megan Williamson is a Pinterest ex expert, and she's going to share not just her entrepreneurial story, which is very interesting how she got to where she is today, but then we're going to do a deep dive on tips and advice on how to use Pinterest to help you grow your business. You want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Megan Williamson, as I said, is a Pinterest strategist and an online marketing expert. Megan has been helping brands and business owners grow their audience with Pinterest for over six years, and that's a long time in this landscape. Uh, Megan teaches overwhelmed and confused business owners how to grow their audience and traffic with Pinterest. Through strategies, stories, and systems, Megan empowers business owners like us to run their own Pinterest marketing with confidence and ease so that they can level up and create a constant funnel of leads and, and sales, of course, and, and increase traffic to our websites. Megan has an education as a social physiologist, no, psychologist rather, <laughs> I always get those confused, psychologist, and she brings that, that unique element and a growth mindset into working to understand your target audience on Pinterest. She's paired also her certification as a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner and business success coach. So she comes at it from a different perspective, and that's part of what made me interested in having her on the show. Megan lives in the Toronto, Ontario, Canada area. So once again, Megan Williamson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I just, I had to stifle a giggle there when you said for over six years, because you're know. so right in the online space. That does feel like I'm a, I'm a grandma in the online space. That's right. It's an eternity. <laughs> no exactly. Uh, how were things? How was weather up in Toronto? I always think that cliche question, but yeah. Yeah, beautiful here. You know, clear blue skies, sunshine today. Although just a few days ago, two days ago, we had a tornado warning, oh, wow. which is, okay. yeah, well, you know, you get these volatile sort of like hot, you know, hot summer, humid weather, and it's very changeable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I spent, I love that area. I spent uh, an extended time up there working on a project. I worked for a company called Mary Kay Cosmetics and they've yeah. got their Canadian plant is there in Mississauga. So I spent some extended time. Oh, there. Beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You know, not many people have discovered the magic of Toronto, but it is a very um, Toronto and what we would call the GTA, the greater Toronto area, like Miss Mississauga, very, very special area. Um, you know, it's yeah. Lots Great to place offer. To live. Lots to offer. Lots of diversity. It really is fantastic. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So I'm curious, obviously, as you might expect, the, the background that you have, which you <laughs> studied in school, which was yeah. psychology and then a master's in child and school psychology. Yeah. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, well, I always wanted to be a, a child psychologist, actually. I had an uncle who was a clinical, went through school for clinical psychology. I knew I was terrified of trying to fix adult mental health problems. I always <laughs> loved children, didn't think I had the patience to be a teacher. So I gravitated towards working with uh, children with special needs and atypical development. So I went in and studied for a very long time. <laughs> Wow. Child psychology it, with a particular focus with uh, actually neuropsychology and school psychology. So that's my background. Um, obviously, I'm in a very different field now, but I, I still, I miss and I never, I was somebody who loved my previous work and I still am very close with a lot of the families I would have worked with and colleagues that I worked with in that space. So did you work in that field, I'm assuming, out of college? Or tell me a little bit about that. No. So I worked for the largest school board in Canada based here in Toronto. So the largest, most diverse, probably neediest school board in all of Canada for almost 10 years. So I did that. Um, you know, I went to school for my undergraduate, worked actually in a children's hospital for two years, figured out very quickly that although I love the pediatric environment in a, in a hospital, I really craved, I love challenges. And actually this will come up later, I'm sure. I love sort of like being able to pivot and do different things day to day. And so I found that after two years in the hospital setting, it was very repetitive work. And so I sought working in a school environment because I figured, hey, everyone has to go to school. I'm going to be able to work with children with all different diagnoses, different you know, family situations, different backgrounds, new immigrants, people who've lived there, you know, for here for generations and generations. And so that's when I pivoted and studied um, in my master's. I studied school psychology. And so at what point, well, at what point did you get involved with online marketing? How did that come about? Yeah. So that's also an interesting story. I, for a long time, had a partner who was not from Canada. He was actually from Northern Ireland. And we used to do, he lived in New York City for a while. I lived in Montreal. We were both in Toronto. And eventually he said, you know, I've lived in North America so long. I think it's time that we go and live in Europe together. Hmm. So off I trotted after years of, you know, at that point, I think I had been at the school board for three years. Um, I had pre-tested trying to get some work in Scotland or Northern Ireland and everything looked good. I got qualified as an educational psychologist in the United Kingdom. And then lo and behold, I had the fresh immigrant story where I landed in a foreign place that although I was recognized by their licensing body, nobody would even interview me for wow. a job. Nobody wow. had any interest in hiring me. Um, and unfortunately, it was just because I was educated in a different way. And their hiring practices to be non-discriminatory actually discriminated against me because I was educated in a different way. And so at that time, my uh, previous partner had said to me, you know, Megan, you are so like, you know, you fill your time, you have all these other skills, you should start blogging. And this is when blogging was relatively in, in its infancy. So it was 2010. 
And so I started a blog. I taught myself how to code a custom WordPress website. Um, I started working for a VA uh, as a VA for a woman in uh, North Carolina who is an interiors blogger. And I basically taught myself, and that was when social media was emerging, right? So it used to be like you had a website, you had a blog, and then social media came after that. And so that really propelled me and getting my foot in the door with understanding, you know, having an online business, having a presence, storytelling, content creation. And that's how my journey started. Wow. Very interesting. And then your fascination or interest in Pinterest just evolved from working and playing with, I suppose, all the different platforms. Exactly. So it was actually when it came out, I remember when Ben Silverman introduced it, it was by invite only. I was a I, I was invited to be a member um, and actually just solved an, uh, um, a problem for me. I, you know, I would save images and inspiration on the desktop of my laptop. And I had all these folders, right? Like garden inspiration, color inspiration. So when Pinterest came out, I thought, oh, I can save all my images on this platform, like literally a virtual inspiration notebook. And so I was an early adopter of the platform and very quickly racked up over a hundred thousand followers over the course of a few years. And it was at that point that it was like, so as a blogger, a part-time side hustle blogger, still working full-time as a school psychologist, um, it was just sort of a creative thing for me. And I found it quite intuitive and easy. And that's probably why you know, I started attracting so many followers and with crowds becomes brand attention. And so that's really how, where and how, you know, that's where the seeds were sown. And what types of pins were you collecting? What, what types of things were you collecting? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think I was a pretty standard pinner, uh, home inspiration, uh, I recipes see. I wanted to make, um, travel. Uh, I actually have a great little nugget where um, nine years ago, I created a board about having a cottage. I'm a very outdoorsy person. I love hiking. I love the woods in Northern Ontario here, have camped my entire life. I didn't grow up with a family that had a cottage. We camped, right? And we went to Europe. And so um, I always thought I would love to have a cottage, but I knew nothing about cottage ownership. So I Mm. started a board eight years ago, maybe now almost nine years ago, about having a cottage. And just two years ago, I bought my very own cottage on a lakefront and pretty much made that board come to life. (laughs) I see, I see. So um, at that point, was your online business your primary business? You had already segued into owning that business. I'm a little confused there. No. So I actually only, I only exited the psychology world um, in 2016. And it wasn't even by choice. It was because actually I was due to have my first child, my only child. And um, I, in Canada, we have very liberal um, and wonderful supportive um, maternity leaves. So I was prepping to go on a 12 month maternity leave with all desires to head back to work, possibly even early. And work at that point was you were back at the school district or Yep, I was back in Toronto. I was working full time as a school psychologist in inner city neighborhoods here in Toronto. Um, I had a, you know, a school that was children with probably the highest level of physical and intellectual needs in the school board. Loved it. Very fulfilling. Um, 
was pregnant with my son. And at that time, actually, I started doing more and more consulting, more just people kept approaching me. Brands started asking me, Megan, hey, we noticed what you're doing. We love the platform, but we have no idea how to harness it, especially, you know, I would get small business owners, large corporate brands. And at that time, nobody was really educating about how to get strategic. It was just thought of this place where you, you know, you pinned uh, a garage reno or you pinned a pool party, you know, nothing. It was sort of thought to be just inspiration. But I was using it as a traffic driver to my blog at the time, which then resulted in me getting more sponsorships. So it was a side hustle until 2016. And that's when I decided, hey, I'm going to be home with a newborn. It's laughable now that I thought that's what, you know, you have a baby, you're just going to hang out all day. I might as well start (laughs) working and start my own little business. But little did I know, actually, like it was going to explode and change my life. So looking back at it now, I mean, you had, you had no aspirations prior to this to be your own boss. Not at all, Henry, not at all. Actually funny because in psychology, um, there's so much liability and fear around running a private practice. Like Uh, in Canada, it is probably, you can make much more money working for yourself, doing private practice in psychology. But I loathed the idea of running an office, um, the legal stuff related to it. Like I loved working at the school board. I loved working with kids that were underserviced, right? It's a real equalizer, a, a public school board. And so I had no desire. And actually, even when I started taking on clients, contract clients, it was almost just like, a fun problem to solve. I never really thought this could replace my income or triple it as it has, or I would have a team of people working for me. Like I never, I never saw it like that. Although I think other people saw it in me. Um, I did not see it in myself. Interesting. So how did you replace then? Because obviously, as you've articulated, you got so much fulfillment out of the work that you did, which was in mm-hmm. in that physical interaction and contact and helping kids. Mm-hmm. How have you replaced that? Or do you think that was a chapter and you know, you've got it now with your own child? Because yeah. often that's what people struggle with, especially with an online business is you don't have that social aspect anymore. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. You know, I do miss the social aspect and I really do miss that hands-on, like really helping people. I feel like I've just pivoted to help people in a different way. So mm-hmm. I I work with, not exclusively, but a lot of women who are moms who um, have growing, scaling small businesses who maybe didn't love the, the work that they had before. They want the um, the... how would you describe it? They they love the idea of having their own business where they control their hours. They can be home with their kids or be there for drop off and pick up, you know, really have that control over their life. And um, I think that I attract a lot of those people. So now I see it as helping in a different way. I have to say it's also a little bit personally driven in that um, I have a wonderful, healthy three and a half year old, but when he was born, he was definitely what you would call a colicky high needs Mm. baby. So, you know, the baby that didn't want to be put down, the baby that only would sleep with mommy, the baby that cried every day, all day for 12 months straight. Um, And so it was almost at a necessity that I couldn't imagine how could I go back and help other children when I was just surviving, right? Like, you know, my husband and I were just 
you know, we're both, we love children. We both like people, we were the people that, you know, they were saying like, oh, when you guys have kids, like, you know, all kids love playing with us. And then we had our own and he threw us for a loop. <laughs> and, you know, he didn't like sleeping. He cried a lot. He, all these things. And I think it was more out of like, wow, I can't imagine getting in a car and commuting to a job, even though I love it because I was giving so much of my own emotional energy to my son. And yeah. so to imagine like, you know, my job, previous job, I loved it, but I gave those families everything I had. So, you know, I, I, they were my world. I, I was there to make a difference. And I do think I did, I had a huge impression on the families I worked with at that time. But for now, I, I've shifted focus to focusing on my, my family and my, my own child and impacting people in a different way. That's right. Yeah. And you, and you are having impact on, on your clients and customers and the people that follow you. So that's, that's huge. Um, you're home officing now, or have you, mm -hmm. have you been home officing since you started this business? How was that born? Yeah, always. So we live in downtown urban Toronto, so not necessarily the most spacious, but um, COVID has thrown us, it's been more difficult, you know, my actually, so I've retired my husband, he doesn't work anymore. And uh, he's the sole caregiver of our son. So a lot of their day used to be structured around leaving the home, going out to play groups, going to structured, you know, sports activities or the local drop in. Um, and with COVID, all that got shut down. So sure. we did have to sort of reshift our life and, you know, save things like this, we make sure that um, we've shifted my office into the bedroom. You know, it's a bit of a laugh, but um, we also spend a lot of time at our cottage where there's a little bit more space. Um, might not, maybe not as predictable internet connections because it's out mm. in the woods, but um, yeah, so we've just structured our lives to basically make it so that I can work four or five hours a day uninterrupted. Got it. Got it. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing all of that. Of course. All right, let's let's start to dive into it. I want to, I want to start with the introduction to Pinterest. Obviously, we mm. all know what Pinterest is generally, but I think that one of the misunderstandings in particular is, and I tend to do this, lump it as a social media platform, which it's really not. So introduce mm -hmm. us to what it really is. Yeah. And I love this because I think it, it causes some real aha moments is that people lump it in with Instagram, with Facebook, and those places are wonderful, but therefore engaging and nurturing your audience. And yes, people discover you on there, but it's for that connection, right? It's sharing your story. It's um, teaching, it's engaging, whereas Pinterest is actually quite the opposite. It's much more like Google. So it's better to be lumped in as a search engine, but it's a visual search engine. So people are using their eyes to discover solutions to their problems, find inspiration. And I think most people think like, oh, it's just recipes and crafts and home decor. But the reality is, is that it's a very rapidly growing platform where, you know, more men are using it. Younger people are using it to basically, if you have a product or business, small business that is solution focused. So you, you solve a problem, then you should be on Pinterest because people are there planning something and they're searching out ideas to help them make a decision. And yes, of course, like the easy thing to think of is I'm planning a bathroom reno or I'm planning a camping trip during COVID and need to come up with some creative hand washing or shower solutions. So people are going there to discover, um, you know, solutions to their problems. And because of that, it's incredibly powerful. 
is Henry Lopez with a brief pause for this episode to let you know that one of my favorite podcast shows, Stroke of Genius, is back for season three. This show from the IPO Education Foundation is about intellectual property, but it's as far from a patent contract or a law textbook as you can get. Each episode of Stroke of Genius tells a different and interesting story from the world of intellectual property, from the Harry Potter copyrights to Syracuse University trademarks. The series is filled with engaging interviews with green entrepreneurs, forward-thinking scientists, and the business people who are genuinely interested in supporting and protecting creativity and leaving something good behind. Stroke of Genius episodes are only 30 minutes or less. It's a great listen, so subscribe and check it out on ipoef.org, on Apple Podcasts, or by searching Stroke of Genius wherever you get your podcasts. So a solution focus. Let, let me give you an example. My wife has a, she's a travel, independent travel consultant. She's not, she's currently not on Pinterest. Mostly she's been building her Facebook page. And so there, like you said, it's, it's more about interaction. Hopefully somebody comments on a post and she can reply. She might answer questions. The way that she might use Pinterest is again, by pinning travel related images, right? Uh, we're talking just images or is it video as well? Yeah, video is a new emerging form of a pin. So there's currently three types of content or pins that you can curate on your Pinterest account. There can be what they call static pins. So that's an image, standard image graphic. There are video pins. Um, a little tip for anyone who's listening, um, keep your videos under one minute and much like Sizzler content. The audience isn't really expecting to watch long video content, but like one minute sizzler content. Um, and then the third one is called stories and stories is much like a, a carousel image on Instagram or Facebook. So an ability to sort of cycle through and read four or five slides that would share information. So someone like your wife, that's a really wonderful example is I'm sure she has things that she knows a lot more about than other people. So it would be like, what are the best resorts for traveling with a small infant? What are the best resorts or areas to travel to when traveling with, um, you know, an elderly parent who maybe doesn't have the same mobility or where's the best place to go if I love doing like tours of historic towns, right? Like the, you know, I'm just making those up on the spot, mm -hmm. Henry, but sure. it's sort of like knowledge that she has. Right. And what's really wonderful is that a lot of people in their businesses, they get asked a lot of the same questions or, and it's second nature. And this is the type of stuff that becomes really wonderful blogging or content marketing content where you can share this type of information in a way that positions you as an expert, provides a solution to the problem they're having. You know, I'm about to travel with a newborn. I don't know what to bring. I don't know what resorts are kid-friendly. I don't know if I can use my stroller on the property. Like new parents, the amount of times that they look up what resorts are kid-friendly. Actually, as a little th funny side, my sister-in-law wrote a review of a Mexican all-inclusive resort five years ago when my niece was a little baby. And it is the most <laughs> read, like 
TripAdvisor, because she's very comprehensive. She's a scientist. And she gave a comprehensive breakdown of what it was like to travel with a four-month-old to this resort. And it was very positive with a few things to consider. And it is, it's people love it. And it still does incredibly well. And she just did it for fun, right? Like as something to help people. But that's what Pinterest is about. It's about helping and serving your ideal customers. And because it is a visual search engine that's focused on discovery, I don't want to overwhelm people, but it's wonderful for that top of funnel discovery aspect of your business. Because Mm -hmm. how do people typically find you? Or how do you, once you know you have an amazing product or service, how do new customers find you if they don't come from a referral? So if we follow that then, and thinking of it visually as a funnel discovery at the top, how do I get them then? Is it because now they're going to follow my board or follow me? How do I get them then to that next level? And what should that be? Yeah. So everybody's goal with Pinterest, the wonderful thing about it is that every pin that you add um, that is about your own content can direct people directly to your website or your online shop. And that's what's different about Instagram, right? We know to get swipe up, we have to have 10,000 followers or Facebook doesn't like when you share links, right? right. Like they, they often, the algorithm hides it. Uh Uh-uh. Pinterest is the opposite. Every pin is an opportunity to share a link that leads to a blog post, maybe talking about like a travel spot or, you know, tips for heading to Sarasota, whatever you want to, you know, the topic to be. Um, Or maybe it's to your services page, or maybe, you know, I, I have a great story about working for a paint company and it was a furniture paint company. And we did sort of some mass research and we found that no matter what paint company people liked when it came to furniture paint, every single person, even very advanced users, would wonder, how could I mm-hmm. not get brush strokes when, I use, when I'm furniture painting? So what do we do? We create a blog post about how not to get brush strokes when furniture painting. And in a year and a half, it drove 500,000 page views from Pinterest because no matter whether you love their company or not, they solve the problem of their ideal customer. All right, let me let me break that one down because that's an interesting one. The blog post lived on some some website. Uh, yeah. It what what linked it to Pinterest were some image pins mm-hmm. that were on topic. Yeah. That then people were clicking on to navigate yeah. to the blog post. Yes. And then they would go to the blog post. They would learn. We would solve their problem. Teach them about how not to get brush strokes. And then at the end of the blog post, we made it very easy for them to navigate to the paint that they sold. And we saw explosive growth, like 500% company growth, when we made those pivots to focus blog post and product listings on what problems they solved instead of being product fo- focused and saying, you know, here's furniture paint. It's wonderful and high quality. We would talk about how ease of use, we would talk about the transformation it provided, why you don't get brush strokes with this particular paint, how to hold your paintbrush. Um, and when we switched the focus, we found that it resonated with people. How did you, and so give me a, a little bit more on how you visually communicated that on Pinterest. Did we have various images? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So actually here's a laugh. I went, got it together with the owner of the company. We grabbed a bunch of fra- uh, uh, fresh paint brushes and paint and some wood. And I sit, we took photos, Henry, with an iPhone. We didn't even use a, we didn't have a fancy setup. We didn't have a studio. And we basically just cr- created 
you know, a little spot where we took photos of a hand painting things. And then what we did was we took those photos, I uploaded them into Canva, which is free, you know, graphic design software, one of my favorite apps, um, quickly expanding and has wonderful tools for small business owners. And I just did text overlay that said, um, how not to get brush strokes when furniture painting, or, you know, you almost become a copywriter, right? I would mm -hmm. just think of like, you know, furniture painting, read this blog post to learn how not to get brush strokes or the best, you know, tips for not getting, I, you know, I just think like this, I just think of like a million different ways of saying the same thing. And we created five pins and we uploaded them to Pinterest and we added the relevant words that were related to the content so that Pinterest could index it. And I don't want to overwhelm people, but Pinterest operates the same way that Google does. When you publish a new page on your website or your shop or your blog, Google wants to know what it's about and it does something called indexing to understand what the piece of content is about. And Pinterest actually does the same. So it has image technology that reads your graphic, but then also looks at the words that you've used to describe your pin and then it will propel your pin to show it to people who are searching for those ideas. Right. So, and again, these are examples of why this is a search engine and not a social media Absolutely. platform. So let's, let's just, since you touched on it there again, expand a little bit without getting too technical from a search engine optimization, which is what I'm trying to do on Google. Mm -hmm. And we've all learned the techniques that it's a moving target. It sounds mm -hmm. like very similarly, but uh, maybe more facilitated because you're identifying when you post that pin, you're identifying specific tags to facilitate the sort of sure. yeah okay. tell me more about I that i wouldn't then. use the word tag so i call them their pinterest keywords so just keywords. the same way okay. yeah the same way that you would do um you would use long tail keywords or seo for your blog content or website content on pinterest you would do research that's very parallel very similar in nature and it's basically saying like like my example right like how not to people love that that educational approach three tips for not getting brush strokes, how not to get brush strokes when furniture painting, um, you know, how to improve your furniture painting technique. You would think of all these different ways of describing the same problem. You might even call it out furniture painter tips, how not to get brush strokes. And then Pinterest knows what your content is about because you've used those words, you create a beautiful graphic. And then over the course of a few weeks, it will begin to show it to people who search brush strokes furniture paint brush strokes, but also it knows it's so intelligent. It's just like Google that it knows when maybe my aunt Joe, who loves painting furniture, they know that she loves seeing content. It's a very smart, it's called the smart feed and it actually knows what you're interested in. So to give an example, I'm always looking for new recipes that are toddler friendly, fast, healthy. So Pinterest will regularly show me new content that is toddler friendly, healthy, fresh, fast. And I haven't searched for it, but it knows that I often engage with that content. And that's what's so great about Pinterest that it is a great equalizer for small businesses is that you don't have to have a thousand followers. You don't have to have any followers, but you do, if you optimize your content and you put in the time to create the graphics and use those keywords for your content, you can literally appear in search or in the smart feed beside the most well-established competitor. So if you are selling something like Coca-Cola, but you have optimized your 
you know, your product, you will rank higher than Coca-Cola. Like Pinterest doesn't really, um, it, they don't give authority to people, right? It's more based on optimization. You know, how much did this help people? Did they click over and go to the website? Are a lot of people interacting with this pin? Um, so it's a wonderful opportunity for small business owners because you can unlock amazing visibility and brand awareness and audience building without having, you know, years and years behind you. And it sounds like then the focus and the algorithm is on the individual pin and how it performs. And I'm assuming it measures perform by do people interact with that pin? Yes. Versus maybe with Google, it's a lot more about the ranking of my website, which takes into into account a lot of other factors. Well, domain authority, right? We know that Google really cares about domain authority. And I use that term sometimes when it comes to Pinterest, that Pinterest will literally, that's why it's an equal playing ground because it it will give you authority very quickly if you're playing nice, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you're doing the things that it wants you to do, creating Pinterest graphics. So graphics that are the right size, which you can do in Canva using keywords to identify, like basically what you're doing by optimizing your content is you're just shortening the path. You're making it easier for people to find you because if someone doesn't know what you do or what problems you solve, they're confused, right? And people who are confused don't engage with a product Mm -hmm. or service. But do you, I'm assuming though that as your um, boards get more traction, that's a good thing as well. Or, mm-hmm. or I'm assuming, right? Because yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to. If I if I am posting or pinning something in a crowded category, it's going to take a bit more than just showing up, starting to show up in a couple of weeks. I suspect there's more to it. Yeah, it is a long game. So you know, compared, to, I think that we've been sort of groomed by Instagram and Facebook for. Um, impulsive, very fast decisions. Um, The buyer's journey on Pinterest is much longer. So we typically find that things take two or three months. It is a long game. So it's one of these, just like SEO on their websites or their podcasts, these people have invested heavily in SEO and oftentimes also in their Pinterest marketing strategy. So they're creating authority on a topic by focusing on two platforms that are related to search engines, which is interesting, right? We find that like Facebook and Instagram don't want its people to leave. It's great for answering questions and nurturing people, but it's not great for like, they don't want people to leave their platforms. Whereas Pinterest says, go out and live, live your life. So what you mentioned boards and boards are interesting because they're vehicles for promoting your content, right? Like that's where you can pin your own content. You can curate other high value content from other people. And I think that as you build out your account, you become a tastemaker. And that's what I recommend to people is whatever your niche small business is, you are an authority. You are an expert in that particular thing, but people are nosy and they want to know other things about you. So for instance, I always use myself as an example. I talk all things Pinterest all day, every day, but because of my work in Pinterest and being in the online space now for 10 years, I also know quite a bit about SEO, website optimization, email marketing, Instagram marketing, Facebook marketing. And I understand a lot of these things work together to help you grow your business. And so, and, and to have a successful business. So on my own Pinterest account, I include boards that are about small business tips, 
blogging, email marketing, website optimization, because I know my people are looking for those things. And I help them by curating high value, very valuable, high value, reliable sources of information about those things. Although I don't teach about those things. Okay, uh, curated versus original content. Mm. Talk to me about that. One more valuable than the other. <laughs> yeah, that is a, a often very highly debated question. So here's the thing with that. Um, as a strategic business owner, the best thing is to always focus on your own pins. But to curate an account, especially if you're if you're a newer business owner, you probably don't have a ton of products or a ton of blog posts to promote. Like bloggers, they've been on Pinterest for ever, right? They've been there a long time. They have hundreds of blog posts. They can just curate their own original pins because they have enough. But most small business owners don't have enough content. And so how you sort of fill out that, you know, overall Pinterest marketing plan is by curating things or content from other people. So I always say that when people first start, your goal should be be to share two of your own, eight other. And as you work up your own content bank and you have more and more assets and more and more content, then you can work towards doing 50-50. But Pinterest rewards consistency and showing up every day. So you have to sort of find that balance, right? How much can, without being repetitive. Right. And also I think it ties into what you've said. This is a longer term play here. We're not expecting to throw up some pins and immediately get traction. Mm. It's not going to work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if I'm following correctly, it's, this is best when combined with a website, a blog, blog Mm -hmm. site, whatever it might be that you're linking to or a shopping page or something, right? Yeah. Well, I think your life is a lot easier if you have a blog or a podcast. Um, It's, you can link to, so here's some examples um, and everyone get out their pens. These are things that you can link to your website, landing pages, your product pages, obviously any blog posts, we've already covered that podcast episode pages, webinar pages. If you run, you know, if you have some sort of digital business or sign up, you can run traffic to, or, you know, send traffic to Instagram posts, IGTV videos. Um, A lovely little add-in tip I'll give is that you can repurpose your Instagram story videos on, on Pinterest. Um, So there's lots of things, you know, and I probably, you could, there's even more things I'm sure you could link to, but those are my top favorite. Actually, I talked to a small business owner yesterday and she has a very active Facebook community. And I asked her, where do you make your money? Where do you convert your customers? And she said, well, in my intimate Facebook community. And I said, okay, here's an idea for you. And I never had told anyone this on a podcast or any webinar I've done, but if that's where you make your money, you need to, you need to follow where, you know, where your people decide they want to work with you. If it's a service or even if it's a product and for her, it was a Facebook community. So I said to her, you should create a landing page on your website that basically becomes a sales page for sharing why your community is so different and then have links that drive traffic to your Facebook community. I would say that you probably shouldn't like link to a Facebook community or Facebook post from Pinterest. I, I just, I don't think it's a good idea because people get confused. I see. If they're not logged in, it will go to a dead link. But what you can do is make pins that lead to a landing page on your website that promote your Facebook community. Okay. And then it's an easy follow. Yeah, that makes sense. Those, those are great tips. Thanks. Thanks for sharing all of that. Um, 
All right, we'll start to wrap it up on this deep dive. I can go for another hour. <laughs> so time is clicking here. I mean, where do I get started with Pinterest? As a business owner, you know? Yeah, as a business owner, make sure you're using a business account, not a personal account. I know some people, there seems to be a lot of resistance. Listen, there are no negatives. Switch over to a business account because when you have a business account, you can verify your website, you know, as the owner, and then you unlock the ability to track your data. And as a person who works in marketing, um, you need to know your numbers. You need to know, you know, where are you getting your customers from? How are they finding you? And this might even provide some data about whether you should still be on Instagram as much as you are, or, you know, pardon me, is Facebook taking up a lot of your time? So, um, but not, not resulting in many customers. So it allows you to understand your data. Um, and I would say really just get started. Like there seems to be people done is better than perfect. I'm always saying that in my own communities that just getting started, start creating some graphics for existing content that you have on your website, whether it be a product page or a blog post that talks about some of your products or services or for a podcast episode for example, just get started and, um, you know, put up some pins and just start getting comfortable, right? Sometimes we have to get uncomfortable before we get, have growth. So get out there and just start playing around with it. Yeah. Love it. All right. Tell us more about uh, the services that you currently offer your clients. Sure. So I, I used to run quite a sort of a high touch Pinterest management agency. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not currently taking on any clients and what I've done to be able, cause I, I just got so many requests and I can only take on so many clients at one time is that I run a Pinterest marketing membership. And if people aren't familiar with that model, what it is, is courses housed within, um, you know, a, a learning environment that is supported by regular Q and A's and a Facebook community. So it's considered a dynamic learning environment. And that is for small business owners who want to DIY their Pinterest marketing. So that is my flagship offer where I teach and work with um, small business owners on a weekly basis. Um, but then I, you know, I have a few other things that I offer. I have a beginner's course. Um, a lot of people were asking me for the Pinterest 101, you know, like how do I set up my account? How do I pick up, pick my profile picture? Uh, and then I also have for digital product creators, I have a Pinterest marketing toolkit, which is a wonderful resource bundle. That's just $37 and gives you a whole bundle of resources that are going to save you time for promoting your digital products on Pinterest. And where do we go to find that stuff? Sure. So you can head to meganwilliamson.com. That's where I house all the gold nuggets. <laughs> I'm a firm believer <laughs> in having a website because that is, you know, you own that. It can't, right. you know, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. I love all those things, but it's, it's rented real estate. So um, I always house all my best stuff on my website. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. All right, thank you. Appreciate that. And so we'll welcome. have a link to it as well on the show notes page. If you didn't get to make a note of that, you'll be able to find that at thehowofbusiness.com. Um, Megan, I'm always looking for a book recommendation. There's a book that comes to mind that you would recommend. <laughs> yes, I love a book by a gentleman named Kevin Lund, and it's called Conversation Marketing. And I think some people are like, huh? And what that is, is it's a book to really break down and describe to business owners why your content marketing is so important and how to create a business that focuses on content that, um, again, describes the transformation of your products or your services. And then that becomes the driving force behind your marketing efforts. And I think because I come from a blogging background, I'm very passionate about that as well. You know, you, you should 
own your best stuff and, and not necessarily be given all the good stuff away on Instagram and Pinterest and those things. Um, and so uh, Kevin describes it in such a way that's wonderful. Mm, great, great recommendation. I appreciate that. And then you also mentioned the Canva tool and I, I'm a big user of the Canva tool. So I, I love that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's summarize it. What's one thing you want to stick away from this conversation we've had about Pinterest from a small business owner's perspective? Sure. It can offer a wonderful opportunity for visibility and brand awareness and help you reach a new audience that you may not have realized was even there. Great. Thank you. I really appreciated the clarity on where this fits in, how to use it in conjunction with other online assets that either I already have in place or that I'm going to build. And that whole perspective, and what I love about it too, is a point you mentioned, we have to be very careful with how much we invest on, uh, on rented spaces, I think, mm. as you put it, right? And building our Facebook pages. Well, that's all valuable and great. That can be taken from us or certainly adjusted, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, for example, one of, one of my businesses is a frozen yogurt shop, and we invested a lot of time and effort to build it up to like 15,000 likes over the years, mm. but it doesn't do much for me anymore. Right. Not yeah. what it, not what it used to five years ago, certainly. Sure. Um, but, it, but instead if I had focused on building my email list or my following on my website, well now I have a lot more control of that. Pinterest complements that idea. It does. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. Sure. You can, all things Megan are on meganwilliamson.com. So I have lots of, you know, freebies for people who just want to start sort of, you know, making their way into the Pinterest world. I offer regular uh, Pinterest challenges, which are a great way to dip your toe into the Pinterest marketing world. I run those every three or four months and, you know, there's blog content there. You can learn about my experiences. Like, as you mentioned in the beginning, I've been doing this a long time, six plus years. And so, um, you know, there's all manner of interesting things that I've done in my travels in the online space there on the website. Wonderful stuff. Megan, thanks for taking the time, sharing these actionable tips. That's what I'm always looking for and for making the time to be with us today. Oh, you're so welcome, Henry. Thank you for inviting me on, uh, on your podcast. Certainly. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks again for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Megan Williamson. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll send you a link with more information. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our show sponsor, Stroke of Genius, one of my favorite podcast shows about innovation and protecting intellectual property. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.